Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And up next, I have L.A.-based director and screenwriter Alana Rain. We're going to talk about her film, Perception. Good morning, Alana. Hey, good morning, Janine. Congratulations on your film. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, that's live radio for you. (laughs) Well, we'll take a little break. We'll bring Alana back on. Give me one second. All right, we are back with Alana Rain. Hi, Alana. All right. <laughs> hey, back. sorry about that. I have a mobile. I have four bars, so I'm not sure what's happening. No idea. You went to four bars? No, I'm t- joking. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the film. How did this idea come about? Well, my writing partner and I were uh, looking for a film that we could do on our own uh, with some investors that we knew and not have to go through the studio system on a, on a large scale. And, you know, we were fascinated with the notion of belief and how far people will go in their, in their world and how belief can shape someone's outlook on the world um, and how that can kind of distort reality in a sense. Yes, um, definitely. And, and so we, we thought a psychological thriller would be a really good template to address that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very fascinated. My, my heart is also in science fiction, so I'm, I'm really fascinated in, you know, the concept that reality is more than, than we can see. And, and I thought using a, you know, paranormal psychological thriller could address a lot of those issues without the massive budget that a sci-fi film would require. Sure. Well, just the power of having a psychic in the film, what was that like? Yeah. So, you know, people come to uh, uh, psychics and the whole notion of clairvoyance with, with a lot of front-loaded expectations. You know, they, they either believe it or they don't. And, and there's some people who are like, well, I'm kind of open to the idea um, and, you know, one of our dear friends who's actually in the film, Jero, is an energy reader, and um, he, he considers himself more of, a, of a, a therapist than, say, you know, a clairvoyant. But, you know, he started talking to us about how, you know, there are just so many people that are, you know, let's put it bluntly, scam artists that right. try to, uh, you know, take advantage of other people. And, uh, but then there are other people who actually genuinely help people. So I feel like there's some, you know, gray area when it comes to psychics and psychics abilities that, you know, I want, we wanted the viewer to, to come to their own conclusions or perhaps question their own uh, preconceived notions or of, of what it means to be a psychic. Yes. I mean, do you, what do you think people's perceptions are of, you know, working with a psychic, having a palm reading, do they get scared of what they think they might find out or what they're suppressing? Yeah, I well, I definitely think so. And, you know, I mean, from what I understand and from the few people that I've spoken to who've encountered them, uh, you know, there's sort of this code amongst the honorable ones that they're, they're not going to, you know, lay some heavy trip on you that, you know, you know you're going to get horribly ill or, you know, a bus is going to hit you, you know, and then try to manipulate you out of, of money in order to help you, you know, that, that's just a blatant thing. So, you know, I think, you know, the people I know that, have, that go to um, readers or psychics, they, they see it more as just another, you know, way to almost 
affirm or examine what they already know about themselves in some way. And, you know, and that's why we had an examples of some of the readings, you know, you know, where, where Nina, one of her regular clients, she, she says, you know, this, this, this man, he's not for you. Yeah. And, and the viewer and uh, the client says, I knew it, you know, and, uh, so, so you see, we're kind of playing on that. You know, mm-hmm. you can be very vague when you go up to someone. And it's really about, in my opinion, like intuition. Like the people that are genuinely helping other people, whether they're a storefront psychic or, you know, you know a highly sought-after um, person that might just work with celebrities and charge money. What, what they're doing is they're... they're, they're they're, they're picking up on their intuition. They might be really good, have a really good sense of intuition, yes. but they hone and they practice. I mean, it's, it's a skill. Um, and if you're a student of, of people and, and human behavior, mm-hmm. and, and I, I love just people watching. I love, you know, getting Definitely. my face away from my phone and, right. and just looking at human <laughs> behavior. I think we're all capable of kind of picking up on stuff that's not necessarily said on the outside oh, yes. from other people. One of my favorite classes in grad school was uh, qualitative research, and they said you need to go in an elevator and just study behavior and just see how people act because no one really looks to each other and they look up at the buttons. And, yeah. and, and uh, people make assumptions that somebody's drunk when maybe they have something wrong with them, you know, and they just right. have to study behavior, and that's so fascinating. It's so true, and wow, what a great experiment, too. I mean, to go in an elevator, because that's also, you know, a confined space. Right. And, and then you might have some people who don't like that and, you know, what, yeah. they're, what they're reacting to. But, but yeah, and I, I actually think, you know, when I, when I walk down the street or, you know, if I'm driving and I see these people with so many people have their faces in their screens, and they're oh, just glued to it it's like this massive brainwashing experiment on humanity that, yeah, <laughs> that you know silicon valley has taken upon itself and it's closing us off from each other and we have so much to learn from each other just by watching you know something listening. i it really struck a note with me because i think it's not only the adults are brainwashed kids teenagers are so sucked into the technology uh, they're missing out on so much of life Yep. You know? Yep. No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I actually am a mom of a teenager. And uh, I hear you. And we have to, you know, be like, it's time to read a book. It's time to put the phone down. And we have uh, phone-free moments in the car. You know, I said no phone in this car trip. So we talk. Or, heaven forbid, look out the window or even be bored. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Being bored, it can be really beneficial you bet. to our creative process. Um, speaking of which, I want to touch on your creative process. So what was it like and what has it been like for you, you know, writing different scripts, especially this one? You, you co-wrote this with Brian Smith. What's it like? Do you comp- come up with an initial, you know, draft and then he works with you or bounces onto that? Yeah. So we have a really um, interesting process. Uh, and, you know, for this idea, we just had a, what we call a no bad ideas session. And that's where we, we said, okay, we're going to deliberately come up with an idea of, for this film. And we would just 
back and forth brainstorm. Maybe we read an article that inspired something. Maybe something happened the previous day to one of us. And, and then through, you know, a couple of those, this idea formed. And then the way we approach it is, is uh, one of us will usually be tasked to write the general outline, like where's the general trajectory of the script, and then we give it to the other to hone. Okay. And we would, um, for this one, we actually went to Joshua Tree and uh, for about, you know, a couple of times for about three or four days each to just work in solitude because, you know, I have a family and, you know, just the distractions of the home. Yes. In order to just get our first draft out, I found that was really crucial. And what we would do is we'd say, okay, let's, we'd assign ourselves scenes or characters, you know, to flesh out a character. And we would do what we'd call a first out and then give the other person our first out and they would just redline it mercilessly. <laughs> and, uh, Ouch. you know, but, it, yeah, but, but necessary. And yeah, again, yeah. no, you know, we, we created a safe space where, you know, we could really just question each other or just be like, this doesn't work. And, you know, we don't take it personally. But if, for instance, like he said, this doesn't work, but I felt really strongly about it, I would then have to defend it and make it work. Sure. And vice versa. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really, it's been incredible to have someone to bounce ideas with off of. And, you know, we also knew certain core elements were really important to both of us, like our values, like we were really interested in um, shaking up the whole gender expectation, you know, like we want, we're, we're sick of films where only women show their uh, body parts and yes. the men get to, you know, waltz around fully clothed exactly. and you know, everything revolves around them. So we said, you know what, let's have, let's have our male lead be the eye candy. Mm -hmm. Let's have him take his shirt off like yeah. an absurd amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I love the casting. Uh, Wes Ramsey from GH and Charmed was in the lead and uh, a whole bunch yeah. of the great cast mem members. They were, it was terrific. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, Wes just, working with Wes was incredible. I mean, all of them, but, you know, Wes, we had some incredible in-depth character meetings and we budgeted time for rehearsal, which, you know, because Brian's from the theater world, you know, he was a producer on Kinky Boots, and he got a Tony for it, so, you know, he, of all people, understood, I was like, you know, we, I love working with actors, we need to budget in, you know, three or four days to rehearse, and for an indie film, that's, you know, usually not done, but it was so important to us to get to the depth of the characters, and Wes was so appreciative of that time, Great. and, um... And he got it. He got it. You know, we, we had one reviewer write, uh, it's a beefcake horror film about toxic masculinity. It's, it's not really a horror film. It's, no. it's a thriller. thriller. But, you know, yeah. it, gets, it gets lumped in sometimes to the right. horror genre. But, yeah. um, and he got that. And right. um, they were just amazing. They all got it. They all understood what the tone we were striking that it was little different than your average uh, genre fare. Yes. Let me just throw out the website. It's www.perceptionamovie.com. Where can people find out more about you? Well, they can go to my website at um, my name, ilanarain.net. That's I-L-A-N-A-R-E-I-N.net. Um, 
and yeah, I've got links to my other films to read about, uh, and you know, my statement, and I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, I don't really do social media; it's part of my. <laughs> That's so <okay. laughs> Yeah, it's just too much. Just yeah. too much work to be done, and yeah. you know, it's it's too much of a drain. But at social media, you can absolutely reach me through Instagram on Perception a Movie on Instagram and on Facebook. Okay. Um, you know, they're just three of us that run the page, so I'm definitely reachable uh, on those platforms through the movie page. Excellent. Well, we've got a wrap, but I want to thank you so much for calling in. All your info and this uh, conversation will be on the show blog within an hour after I wrap, and the website for that is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Alana, thanks so much for calling in. And thank you. Great conversation, Janine. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right. So we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Penn Pearson's novel, Bloomsbury's Late Rose. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. <laughs> 